Well, good morning. Wonderful to see you here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me today to John chapter 14. That's where we'll find our place, the book of John chapter 14, as we continue on in our teaching series entitled The Journey. And we are on the road to Easter, walking with the Lord Jesus as we journey toward the cross and toward an empty tomb. And I hope that as we make this journey together, it'll be a blessing to you and an encouragement to your heart and life. Last Sunday, we were together as Jesus washed his disciples' feet, a very unique passage. And we learned together that really what that is about is the Lord Jesus encouraging us all to have the heart of a servant, that we would be people who serve, that we serve God and that we are people who serve others. Today in John chapter 14, we are watching the Lord prepare his disciples, his followers, his learners. And, and that's many of us in this room. And here we are as he prepares us to understand what he was doing in his death, burial and resurrection and, and what our role would be post all of those events as we uh, as we take the baton of the gospel forward as Christ in Acts chapter one ascended back to the right hand of God, the father, as we go forward together as a church, um, we go forward based on five historic core values. And, and I'm not going to read those or list those out. I just want you to look at them again. Let them, let them sort of sink in, marinate in them a little bit. We do that together and we're beginning to, uh, really allow those to focus us They're They're like guardrails on the road as we go forward forward together with the good news of Jesus. And then uh, our purpose really comes out of Matthew chapter 22 and Matthew chapter 28. And again, it all fits because we're right here at the end of Jesus's life. It's where we are when we find ourselves in John 12 through John 20. And he's giving those final words to his followers before he's ready to leave them. And, and man, they're struggling with that. They're struggling to understand what he's doing and where he's going. I really believe that even in that last week of his life, the disciples were struggling to understand and they really thought he had come and was going to, a, to, to really establish an earthly governmental kingdom. And, and they were going to be able to together scour out the Romans and send them back to Rome and, and be done with all of that. And, and, and yet he's talking about going away with so much yet undone. And going to this cross and they're, they're, they're wrestling to understand that for Jesus, it really wasn't about an earthly governmental kingdom, but it was about a spiritual kingdom that would be established in the hearts and in the minds and in the souls of men, women, boys and girls. And they're, they're wrestling to understand what all of that was about. And out of those last words that he speaks in these final chapters, in these final verses, we, we see this clarion resolve come forth that we can grab hold of today as a white hot initiative. And it says our passion is to love our neighbors and to learn together how to know and live like Jesus. And each Sunday as we go into the word together, it's really fun to look at that and say, well, well, are we learning together to know? Or are we learning together to live? And of course, there's there's carryover and those work together. Or are we maybe learning what it looks like to love our neighbors? And, and all of that is important. 
In fact, it was the, the joy of my heart yesterday to, uh, to, to join with my wife and, and a wonderful group from Men's 127 and some of their wives. And uh, we were able to, uh, to go over, and I'll show you a couple of quick pictures, and, uh, and adopt a room and go into that next one. That's what we found when we got to the room, a bunch of unopened boxes. And when we left there, and I wish I could show you all the pictures, the room was fully decorated and fully set up. And that is a room over at the Department of Child and Family Services where when children uh, are taken into care because of severe abuse or abandonment or major family issues, uh, they need some rooms where these families can meet and where these children can meet with maybe foster parents that are going to be in their lives for a while or where they can meet with counselors to sort of debrief what all they're going through in their life. Uh, this is a room that will be used uh, in some people's most difficult moments that they'll ever experience in their life. And we as a church were able to adopt that room. And uh, Jamie and I were able to partner up with 127, and we were able to take that room from just a bare basic room to an incredibly warm and loving, fully decorated room, where as people come in and out of that room, they'll know how much Northwest Hills cares for them. And it's a safe and loving place where they can land, they can catch their breath, and they can sort of recalibrate and go forward. That's a room that's actually going to be used a lot for uh, for music. And, and it was so cool that Andy and Sherry could be a part of that and, and to help decorate that. And, and it's a joyful room. We dedicated in prayer before we started, and we dedicated in prayer after we were done. That every person that walks in and out of there will just experience the love of Jesus. And then I've heard all kinds of other people come and say, Pastor Mike, I'm coaching a soccer team this spring. And, and I hope that the parents and the kids can, from my life and the way I, the way I conduct myself, they can, they can see the love of Jesus. And it'll be a chance for me to do some good deeds and build goodwill. And maybe, Pastor Mike, I'll have an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus as people ask, what, what's different about you? We pray that, that, that those good deeds that were done yesterday... We'll build goodwill in our community and and we'll have opportunities to share the good news. Because you know what? We want to be a church that loves our neighbors. I worked all morning with Keith Lampe. This is what I know about Keith. He works fast and he literally knows everybody in Corvallis. I was so tired of meeting people at the end of the day yesterday because Keith is so funny. He just he just moves in this. I call call it a constant hum. He goes in and he'll stop and say, oh, uh, uh, this person, have you met Pastor Mike and Jamie? Let me introduce you. And, and he, and we got you, this just went on all morning, you know. And, and they were saying, what are you, why are you guys here? Oh, we, we've adopted this room and, and we want this room to be a, oh, that is wonderful. And people are just processing that as we're out of these walls, out into the community, loving our neighbors. And you know what? We do that some as a church in these kind of, in these smaller groups and larger groups. But you know what I think that's most powerfully done? Through your own individual life. As you just open up your life to let the love of Jesus shine forth. And all of that begins to work together. And our church makes an impact. And we're able to love this community to life. And we're able to learn together. And this is what we're going to talk about today. How to know. The passage that, we'll look like, that we're going to look together at in John 14 is all about learning to know. And there's three things That Jesus wants us today to learn or to know about him. And then we'll see how we can begin also to live those out. And that knowing and learning to live really is like, in many ways, two sides of the same coin. But what today does Jesus want us to know? 
And then how can we take these things and go out and live them out in our homes and in our marriages and in our families and on our street and in the facilities and on the fields and the athletic opportunities and the arts and choir opportunities in our community where we can let the love of Jesus shine? Well, we can do that when we know some things, when we're convinced of some things. And the disciples were struggling to know in John 14. They were struggling to process all that they were involved in and all that God was doing in and through their life. And I tell you what, how many of you have ever been at a moment in your life where you've been struggling to process all that you were experiencing in your life? Let me see your hand. Absolutely. You guys get that instant. How many of you are at a moment like that right now where you're struggling to process? Yes. Same exact dynamic at, at the nine o'clock service. Yeah. And look what it says. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You say, well, that's easy preaching. That's hard living. And I'm going to tell you, that's the truth. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor Mike. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what the the situations that we're facing right now are. And that's what the disciples were saying, too. That's easy for you to say, Lord. But you're saying you're going to go away. That's easy for you to say, Lord. But you just washed our feet and and just in a sense began to put the, the baton into our hands saying, hey, I'm, I'm beginning to, to disconnect. I'm about ready to finish my final work here on earth in my death, in my burial, in my resurrection. And then, and then you are going to take it and serve the known world from there. And, and they were receiving that baton with shaking hands and, and really with, with, with troubled hearts seeking to understand what in the world is going on. Their circumstances were really upside down right now. The, 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 the apple cart of their life was really turned over here. Again, I think they thought they were, they were really settling in for a long run with the Lord. And, and a governmental kingdom would be established and Rome would be gone. And, and all of a sudden it's like turning out to be totally different than that. And they're wrestling with the reality of a spiritual kingdom rather than a physical governmental kingdom. They're wrestling with the reality of not, of not Christ being with them. And more miracles and more, more workings and more understanding. But all of a sudden, he's going to be gone. And we're going to be left to take this message forward. And he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. I've taught on this passage many times. I've shared this passage at funerals, my goodness, scores of times. And it wasn't until my study this week that the Lord really burst something into sort of real clarity in my heart that I, it's one of those moments that in reading the Bible, I'm like, how, how in the world have I not seen that? We, 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 we've been here with, with this friendly passage so many times. I, it's like an old friend to me. How did I miss this? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. The things that are troubling us the most are often the things that we're having the most difficult time trusting him with. It almost is a, is a revelation. And he invites us with the things that are troubling us the most to increase our trust of him in and with those areas. And I want to tell you what, that takes Holy Spirit empowerment, that takes faith, and that takes a, a really a journey of a growth in trust with the heart of your God. That you can get to the point that even when you can't trace his hand or maybe fully understand his steps, you are able by the power of the Holy Spirit of God to trust his heart. And troubled hearts, anxious hearts, fearful hearts begin to calm and quiet when our trust of and with and for God begins to increase. 
And they're always in direct correlation. Let not your hearts be troubled. Well, how do we do that? Trust in me. Raise your trust level in me. Know that I'm the sovereign God. I'm in control. I know who you are, where you are, what you're going through. My word has answers. And if you open your heart and life to me and seek me and thirst for me and hunger for me and trust me, I'll help you with what you're going through in your life. I've got answers. I've got help. I've got hope, God says. Trust me and bring those troubled, anxious, fearful, stressed hearts back down. There is more than enough room in my father's home, he says. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Look at that. I'm going away. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Think about the disciples receiving this. Well, well, where are you going, Lord? And you know the way to where I'm going. And I love Thomas here. I love Thomas's authentic, heartfelt response. I get it. He says, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says, um, no. And he was right. No, we don't know, Lord. We don't know where you're going. We don't know the way you're going. We don't understand why you're going there. This is like the biggest game-changing conversation on the planet that we're in the middle of with you, Lord. And we are having a hard time understanding this at all. And Jesus says, let me help you because I can see that this is really troubling your heart. You've got to trust me. Let me help you, Thomas and, and other disciples and those that were gathered and listening as these final words are being shared, as these final thoughts are coming forth. Let, let me help you bring down the anxiety. Let me introduce three things about me that will help you. No, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going or how we can know the way. And Jesus told them, and look at this. This is why we study the Bible at Northwest Hills, historically, grammatically, contextually, and literally. Because look how the context answers all of the questions we have. And the context drives us right to this hallmark verse in the book of John. Jesus told them, I am the way. The I am is the way. What a what an amazing study to study all of those I am's in the Bible. What a faith builder. What a trust builder to learn the character and the nature and the identity of our God. It builds faith and trust in us as his followers. He said, I am the way. I know exactly where I'm going. I'm going back to heaven. My work on this earth is done. I, I'm, I, I'm dazed from fully completing it in my final ultimate act of service to this world in my death, burial and resurrection. When I come out of that tomb, my work on this earth will be done and I'll return back to the right hand of God, the father. And in my death, burial and resurrection, I will have provided a way for sinful men, women, boys and girls to be reconciled back to a holy God. And the capstone in that arch of Christianity and that work of redemption is the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And it'll be done. And I'm going back to be with God in heaven. And I'll be there, though, making daily intercessions for you because I'll have walked where you're walking. And I'll know and I'll be there at the right hand of God, the father. And Thomas is like, wait a minute. Well, how can we get there? Jesus says the only way you can get to heaven is through me. I'm the way. It's only through a relationship with me 
that you can know the joy of being with me for all eternity, for I am the way. Have you ever been looking for the way? Have you ever been at any point in your life in a community lost? You've been literally lost. Let me see your hand if you have been lost at some point in your life. Yes. In some ways, I've been lost for the last seven months. And Corvallis is not that big a town, but I've been lost and lost over there and lost over here. I was lost recently to come out to a road and went, oh, that, oh, that brings you out there. Wait a minute, I've been going over there all the way around this way. I can just cut right through there and that'll bring, oh, that's the coolest thing. Sometimes being lost brings you to some really good revelations. But it's sometimes also a bit of a, bit of a fearful feeling to be lost. Who here has ever been lost? Come on, be honest. And you have stopped and asked someone for directions. Me too. Most of you guys as well. Oh, here's another one. Real quick. Who here has been lost with your spouse, a friend, a close loved one, a relative, and you were praying and begging them to stop and ask for directions? But they, oh, yes. Uh-huh. There's always that tension, isn't there? It's the, it's the I've got this, hun, tension, right? Yeah. Just one more loop around the old barn, hun, and we're going to find our way. As as hunger is increasing, as the cry of the kids increase. Oh, those are great moments in family life. Yes. And you ask for the way. Hey, I need to get over to here. Uh, Could you tell me the what, church? The way. Hey, man, we're twisted around, sir. Could you tell me which way to go? And here's the disciples. They're twisted around. They thought A, and Jesus is really prepping them for B. And Jesus says to Thomas, Thomas, I know you don't know the way. I am the way. And Thomas, I'm getting ready to go back to the right hand of God the Father. I'm going to go back to my rightful place in heaven. And Thomas, if you and the disciples and all of those disciples that are yet to come. By the way, that's coming in just two chapters, John 17. All of those chapters are yet to come. If they want to come and be with me, there's only one way they can do that. It's with a personal and through a personal relationship with me. They've got to come to that moment in their life where they believe in me, where they unwrap the greatest love gift ever given. And his name is Jesus. And I'm so bold to stand before you today to say this, that Jesus is the only way that you can get to heaven. There's no other way. And those aren't my words. Those are his words. Look what he says. Jesus told them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. The way that you can have a promised home in heaven, the way that you can know when you come to the end of your life that you're going to have the joy of spending an eternity in heaven is by you and me and we knowing the reality of a personal relationship with Jesus. There has to be that moment where you unravel and unpack his amazing love for you and you receive it for yourself. He is the way. There's a whole teaching that involves the way that I don't have time to uh, walk it all out with you today, but just look with me, if you will, in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. Can you believe this? This is Saul, 
moments before he's about ready to become and go on a journey to be the Apostle Paul, gave us a significant portion of the epistle literature in your Bible. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Can you imagine? So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any of the followers of the way. Yeah, followers of the way. People who had recognized post-resurrection, post-ascension, oh my word, this wasn't about a physical governmental kingdom. This was about a spiritual kingdom. This wasn't just about the dusty streets of Jerusalem. This was all about the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls having the opportunity of being related back to a holy God through a personal relationship with the resurrected Jesus. And they said, we are going this way. He is the way. Look what else he is. Second thing he wants us to know about himself from John 14. He says, I'm the truth. I'm the truth. Jesus is truth. John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, Jesus moved, if you will, into the neighborhood. He is truth. The words that he spoke, all of them are written down for us in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some other portions of the epistles as he was quoted as what? His words that he spoke were truth. And all of the words that he has given us in these 66 love letters from the heart of God to your heart are truth. That's why we love John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Go back to the book of Isaiah. We learn about the word. It's what? It's a sure foundation of truth. Isaiah says that you can build your marriage, your family, your life, your occupation, your your family on, our church on. He is truth. His words that he spoke were true. All of his words that we've received that have been given to us. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And it teaches us things and it corrects us and it rebukes us and it challenges us and it matures us. And all of that happens because these words are true. And I want you to know this from my heart. I know there's maybe some people in this room that you're maybe not convinced that the Bible is true. And as you're here today and you're, you're exploring faith and, and you're wrestling with truth, I want you to know this is a safe place to do that. Every person in this room at at one point in their life has wrestled with the claims of Christ, has wrestled with the Bible. Is it really truth? Are these really God's words to mankind? And and that's going to be a journey that you'll walk. And and most people in this room have walked that journey and and have asked the hard questions and processed through that. And, And I want you to know that I don't stand up here this morning just assuming that we're all on the same page. Many in this room, like myself, have have become convinced that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is true. He leads us into a right relationship with the God of truth who has delivered to us 66 books, which are the words of truth. But we're also very aware that many of you are not fully there yet. And I want you to know how happy we are you're here, how honored we are to go on this journey with you as you explore 
And as you look at what real faith looks like, as you look into the claims of Christ and the claims of his word, and you ask yourself, and we talk together, is this truth? Jesus says, I am truth. And I am truth that you can build your life on. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And look what else he says. I am the life. This is the three things he wants us to know about himself. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. I'm the one that can give you that everlasting life. You cannot find that anywhere else. Remember what he says here? No man can come to the Father except through me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. Church, help me finish it. But they will have everlasting what? Life. That's right. In fact, he tells us why we read this section so often at funerals to comfort those ones that are grieving. We read it of those ones who are people of faith who have been impacted and received the truth, we can share this with all confidence that they are going to be with him because he's prepared a place for them. And if we're a person of faith and they're a person of faith, even though we're separated now by life and death, there's this opportunity and this hope of a grand reunion. And that's all because of Jesus and and the life that he can bring. He shows us the way. He's the way. He teaches us the truth. He and his words are the truth that we can build our life on. And he shows us how to have everlasting life and how we can know that when we come to that moment of death, that we don't have to fear death. We don't have to be scared to death at that moment, but we can approach death with a quiet, calm confidence knowing that our faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. We have trusted the ever-living one whose wounds for us did bleed. And we have received the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We have a personal relationship with God through Christ, and we can approach that moment with an absolute calm confidence. You could call it a Godfidence. Why? Because we have put our faith and trust in Jesus, and he is our surety for everlasting life. But I would say today, not only for everlasting life, he's the one that gives us life for today. John 10, 10, the enemy comes to what church to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have a life to the full. He's not only our provision for eternal life. He is our provision for today as well. He's what gives us a chance of having a life to the full today. When we put our faith and trust in him. And that life that we, that we walk with him and live out with him. He does what? He calms our troubled hearts and builds in trust and faith and strength. As we walk through that life, Dave, if you wouldn't mind to put our, our mission back up there. And, and we really learn together how to know. Well, what do we need to know, Pastor Mike? We need to know that he's the way. He's the truth. And he's the life. 
And once we have experienced that and the reality of that personal relationship, you know what we desire to do then out of hearts of gratitude? Out of our identity that's established in Christ? You know what we want to do, church? We want to begin to learn what it looks like to live like him. Oh, my goodness, he's changed everything from the inside out. I don't fear death any longer. I can approach death with a calm confidence because my faith has found a resting place. He's he's brought me alive, not only for eternity, but for time and eternity. And now out of a heart of gratitude and love, having been the recipient of such love, I want to learn what it looks like to live like him, to love like him, to parent like him, to employer or employee like him, to go out and love our neighborhoods like him, to love my street like he wants me to love it. Every neighbor, every person that I'll see come and go in and out of my neighborhood this week, you know what, church? They're going to live somewhere forever. They're going to live somewhere forever. What's their relationship? What's their knowledge of the way, the truth, and the life? And how might God use me to point them to the one who can make all the difference for time and for eternity? Let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father except through me. He's preparing his disciples for a great journey and a great road ahead. And church, he's preparing us for just the same in 2018. That we would know and we would learn to live. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for all that you've taught us in the first seven verses of this amazing chapter. And Lord Jesus, as we go forward, for many in this room who know you, this morning we take a big, deep breath and we say thank you, Jesus, for all you've done in my life. Once a wrestler with the truth, once a wrestler with you. but all the joy of being convinced by your grace and love. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you that you've showed us the way. Thank you you've given us truths to build on. Thank you, Lord, that you give us life and life to the full. For the friends in this room that are exploring faith, that are not yet convinced, I want you to know that we're here to go on that journey with you. Not to cram truth down your throat. Not to beat you over a head with the Bible. But to walk with you and to ask and to talk and to explore and to learn. Because we are those very same explorers. We've asked those very same questions. For that friend that's here that says, Pastor Mike, I've come to that point where I'm ready to receive him my heart right now is pounding in my chest. I, 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 I can't leave here without knowing him, this one that, that paid it all for me, this one who, who is the way and the truth and the life. And, and Pastor Mike, today I, 
I'm here, but I don't know him. But I, I don't want to leave without that relationship intact. If that's you today, we're here to serve you. Right where you're seated. From your heart to God's heart, between the two of yours heart, you can say, Dear Jesus, I turn today from my way. I turn today from my plans and from just the hopes and the the answers that that I've just been trying to find in myself. And and Jesus, today I turn to you. And and, and Lord, I know that you took my sin upon you on that cross. And and today I, I want to acknowledge you as my Savior, my Lord. And I invite you to come into my life and to take up residence, to be my way, my truth, and my life. You can do that in your own words right now between your heart and God's heart. You say, Pastor Mike, that was me. I wouldn't embarrass you or point you out in any way, but I I want to remember you in the closing prayer. And I'd love a chance after this service is done to meet you right up here at this table and to encourage you in your new walk with Christ. Pastor Mike, that was me. And with heads bowed and eyes closed right now, I would just slip my hand up and say, today I prayed that prayer. And I invited him into my heart and life to be my Savior and my Lord. Lord, I thank you for the honesty of these people. Thank you for working in our hearts. Thank you for your good news that's ours to share. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. From grateful hearts, we praise and honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.